Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now, here are three guys who, if combined, would make one hell of a woodworker Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's Wood Talk number 249 for June 12th, 2015. It's a weekend edition of Wood Talk. And on today's show, we're talking about aftermarket upgrades for our tools. Nothing more, just a very simple, single topic. And that was inspired from a a question we got from Peter. He says, do you guys have any thoughts on upgrading or adding accessories to tools as as opposed to selling or buying new? I ask as I bought a contractor saw and was quite displeased with it. The problem was the guide rail. It just didn't work. I'm guessing he's talking about the fence. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. That sounds, yeah. I have since endeavored to make a new Biesemeyer, yep, okay, Biesemeyer guide rail and add extensions on both sides. For myself, it has turned out to be significantly cheaper than selling the contractor saw and then buying a new cabinet saw. So it sounds like a good success story there, and I'm sure lots of folks have... uh, other the other side of it uh not having success trying to do do upgrades so we thought we would go around and just trade some stories about things that we've upgraded and successes we've had or possibly even failures i don't know we haven't haven't talked about this ahead of time so we'll find out <laughs> it can only be good from here right i, I mean, yeah i hope so sure. i hope so uh you know well I'll, I'll go first here he mentions the table saw now that for me was a, a major factor when i first started out i had a craftsman contractor saw and it was that kind where they have that aluminum extrusion proprietary weird shape thing it's not quite a circle it's not it's not a rectangle it's just this weird alien looking shape and it was always just notorious for not locking down in the exact same position every time so you move it back and forth you put it down move it move it an inch to the right crank it down again and the fence may not be square anymore or uh, parallel with the blade. So it was a constant headache. Uh, You just could not trust it no matter what you did. So I went out and I found a a Vega brand fence that, that was not quite, you know, wasn't exactly the the quality level of like a Biesemeyer style fence, but it was a nice uh, round rail that was much more reliable when you push down on it and the, the fence locked in nice and square and made all the difference in the world. You start to realize that the table saw, it, you know, itself really, as long as the blade is is turning and that it, you know, your table is fairly flat, most of the frustrations with a bad saw will come down to the fence. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You know? Absolutely. And in fact, actually, it's funny because that was the one thing with mine. As soon as he mentioned that it was a Beesmeyer guide rail that he was having issue with, the big upgrade for me or the, yeah, the aftermarket upgrade was uh, I purchased a Beesmeyer fence for my grandfather's old table saw. Mm-hmm. And it was something where once I was looking at the specifications, I really had to fuss around with it. And I ended up the few times that I actually have ever contacted a manufacturer, I contacted them and talk to them about my ideas of how I could make this thing work to fit on this ancient saw. And I do believe the reply was, we can't say yes, but if you do, <laughs> please send us photos. Good luck, sucker. <laughs> right. <laughs> and quite honestly, it did work out. It worked out really decent. There was a lot cool. of fussing that I had to do. I had to kind of play with a few things. I got it to work and it actually was a million times better than the fence that I had on there previously. But if I had to do it over again, I probably would actually take that money and just set it aside to buy a new saw. So for me, that was a 50-50. It worked fantastic, but it just – in in the, the more I look at it, the amount of time that it took me to actually get it done, just I don't think it was worth the, the trade-off. Yeah, there's got to be a diminishing returns point there that is like up to each individual <laughs> where that point lies. Yeah, I was yeah, definitely like right on the line of it. Mm-hmm. You, you have to kind of step back every once in a while and assess that because like my old Delta contractor saw – 
I aftermarketed that thing to death to the point where I practically had a cabinet saw when I finally sold it. <laughs> it had a spoiler <laughs> like, on the back? Yeah, it did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it had it. Well, it actually came with a Biesemeyer fence. It was one of those um, higher end of the contractor line. Mm. But, you know, I put um, it had the stamped steel wings. I put cast iron wings on it, you know, upgraded. Of course, the best aftermarket you can do for your table saw is get a new blade. don't don't even don't even bother with the one that came with it you know and the little bells and whistles and things and splitters and stuff like that that i added to it because this was in the pre-riving knife world by the time it was done like i even built a cabinet for it to sit on and like built all the dust collection and stuff in it it was basically a cabinet saw just the (laughs) trunnions were mounted to the tabletop instead of on the machine so yeah it probably i probably should have stopped like seven upgrades before i actually did (laughs) nice well i've seen some um uh what is it like the job site saws where people will build just this master work center around the saw and it's really really well done uh for folks who just are happy with that level of saw no reason to go with anything more let's just crank it up a notch and build this (laughs) whole thing around it and it's pretty impressive Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah well, there's, when you build it yourself, you know that's one thing. But when you're buying aftermarket stuff, and when you look at the total price tags <laughs> yeah, that's that you spent, you're like, yeah, maybe you should have bought a cabinet saw. Well, that's what my very first saw uh, was a, a gift from Samantha, and it was a, a little job site one, and very much like you kind of described there, Mark, with the, uh, the the fence. It was just so horrible that I wanted something else. And I remember looking at, I want to say it's like Rousseau or somebody makes a uh, a job site base that you can drop things into and it even comes with a much better uh, uh, fence on it. And I remember looking at that, but again, I looked at that diminishing return of the price for it versus if I had just saved the money, I could have moved on to something bigger and better. So yeah, it's, it's, you can really, really trick it out all you want, but yeah, there, there definitely is that moment where you're like, oh man, you know what I could have done with that? <laughs> uh, for me, one of the ones that I've never regretted is the overarm blade guard. Getting oh, away yes. from like the, the the guards that come with most saws, you know, tossing that in the garbage, moving to a true riving knife, and then having a standalone overarm guard. Now I, I've got a Brett guard from HTC on my saw now, and I used to have a Penn State Industries had a nice one with dust collection that that was it's all red. It's you know you, you know it when you see it, uh, and I had that on my saw previously. Both of those work fairly well, but the Brett guard. It's heavy duty. It's big time heavy duty. Like it, it, it tells me it can take a kickback. Uh, the, the plastic on it is, you know, like three quarters of an inch thick and it's a real heavy duty, uh, monster, uh, that I definitely enjoy having. The thing is I don't use it that often cause I like to keep it out of the shot. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the classic norm excuse that the guards have been removed for clarity. We would we would like to show you that the kickback actually was able to was able to stand up to that, but I had to remove it. So instead that's why I'm on my way to the hospital yeah, right instead now. Instead, this board is in my chest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, another big one for saws, and this could be for like a bandsaw or even uh, especially a table saw, tends to be the miter gauge. I mean, the ones oh, that yeah. typically come with a lot of them mm-hmm. are just so horrible that it's like one of those things. As soon as you take it out of the box, you just throw it away because they're just yeah. they seem to be so crappy. Now, thankfully, the one I, the uh, saw stop one that I have right now. Surprisingly, while it's not big bells and whistles and everything, it does do a really good job. But I think every other miter gauge I've ever had in the past has just been like, yeah, I, um, I, I would just rather throw it away with the container that the, the saw <laughs> came with than make any attempt to use it. Uh, yeah, power I, ma- I had a Craig uh, miter gauge and I liked it a lot. Oh, those are pretty no, nice. No playback whatsoever and the little flip stop and the long fence. It was really nice. I enjoyed working with that. 
Powermatic has a good miter gauge that comes with their saws. It's pretty heavy duty, but it's bare bones. So what I do is I actually have an Incra that's kind of like the one I use every day and gets, you know, gets most of the use. But the the one the the one that came with the saw gets a auxiliary fence put on it and it gets used for all kinds of weird odd jobs. <laughs> yes. You know, and it's actually it works well, but it's not something I use all the time, but it's a great for like just specialization weird thing that I need to cut uh and I, I'm able to do it on that. It works out pretty well for me. Nice. Well, I think the best aftermarket anything I bought was a set of Carter guides for my bandsaw. That, oh, yeah. Like night and day difference completely changed how the bandsaw functioned, how it performed, the cut quality, everything. Did you that have was, like uh, the cool blocks or the graphite blocks before that? Uh, no, it was uh, this was a grizzly bandsaw, so it had um, bearings, but it was just the the stock stuff. But mm-hmm. the um, uh, the the way the Carter bearings they actually kind of surround the blade there's a lot more bearing surface there and they're hyper adjustable you can really fine tune them nice. and um you know they come with really good instructions on how to get it perfectly tuned so it was one of those things where um you know i'd done all the stuff i'd gotten a good blade and everything and then i put these on and it was like oh so this is how it's supposed to work <laughs> it was i mean it was it was a it was an epiphanal moment it totally changed my my bandsaw nice now when i sold the, it. the the tires have you guys ever like replaced the tires on there i think mark you did that once i know yeah. i did it with my really really old bandsaw and it was amazing because when it got done i'm like so it's not supposed to vibrate like insanity <laughs> <laughs> um, I did just do this recently by necessity, not because I wanted to upgrade, but because the other ones were falling off and, uh, it, it works. It's fine. I didn't notice the dramatic difference that a lot of people say when, when they switch over from like the plain rubber to the urethane tires, but it's fine. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Oh, well, it's just fine. Then. In my case, <laughs> it was, okay. it wasn't bad before. Yeah. It's just, it, it's fine. Okay. Well, in my case, it was oh my God, I can't believe that you were using that. That's yeah. insanity. And then now it was like, oh, well, this isn't so bad. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, bandsaw, one of my favorite things is my Laguna Driftmaster fence Ooh, for my big yes. bandsaw. That is just one of the best fences on the market. The adjustability is fantastic. Now, I'll tell you what, some of the newer bandsaws, they're getting in on the game. They know that like having a saw that has a fence that goes into two positions and one that's easily adjustable for drift, um, things like that are being included in a lot of these new ones. But the Driftmaster has this uh, dial. You could either engage the teeth or disengage. So you could slide it freely back and forth or engage the teeth and you've got this adjustable wheel that just moves it um, you know, by a 64th of an inch per quarter turn or something. I don't know what the exact number is, but you can just kind of turn it and dial it in for things. And my gosh, I love that thing. You know, it's, it's funny because you can see, I know there's this school of thought, like I could live without a table saw and a bandsaw would replace everything. Yeah. When you start to see some of the saws, when you really trick them out, you can start to understand that point of view. Yeah. Like the fence actually is totally accurate and the mm-hmm. cut quality and everything with the blade, like, um, is it Laguna as well? The resaw King, the carbide blade. Yep. Is that Laguna too? That is, yeah. Like I remember looking at some of the cut images of that. I mean, it's just like, holy crap. You know, the, the bandsaw suddenly becomes so incredibly precise and so very versatile and frankly, a lot less scary. Um, so I could I could see that um, yeah. it's if th- there will be a day, I'm sure when I'm like, I'm too old for this. I can't rip saw anymore that I'll be buying a bandsaw and going big when I do it and tricking it out. I could see that three years. We, 
You know, yeah. three, I'll give you three meals. shoulders. Only that three more years, everybody. <laughs> Had enough. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because that, actually that's another one that um, I was thinking about the fences. So I replaced the fence on my table saw, and I also replaced. Actually, the first bandsaw I had did not have a fence at all, so I put a fence on it, and I used the Craig fence, the resaw fence. And then when I got received the uh, Steel City one I have right now, uh, the folks at Highland Woodworking were like, hey, well, since you're getting that one, we're going to go ahead and throw in the uh, industrial fence. And I'm like, why? I've already gotten one. And it's funny because actually the fence that was supposed to come with the uh, Steel City is literally sitting in a corner. And I'm like, you know, you're taking up valuable space, and I have the <laughs> Craig one. Once again, on there because I, I I just got such great results with it. I did not want to make any attempt to change, and I didn't see a need to. So that for me has been one of those things that I am so glad I, I did that one. Nice. Did you guys ever put um, six-inch risers in your 14-inch saw? Yes, I, I did. did have that. Yeah. Did you find that it was worth it? It is sitting no. behind the saw on the floor. Oh, so you haven't put, put it in? I took it off. Oh, Okay. Yeah. yeah, it 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 wasn't worth it. The um, nope. definitely, it, I mean, it dramatically increased the cut capacity. But mm-hmm. to me, it kind of like the saw was not meant to do that. Yeah, exactly. Did you ever have the experience where it felt like as you were tensioning it, you could almost see like that top kind of like going down with it a little bit? Maybe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, definitely, it, you know, and I know there's whole there's two schools of thought on the tension of the blade, the low tension idea that um, what's his name, uh, Michael Fortune is all big about. I've never been able to kind of get that to work, but let's be honest, I never really tried that hard either. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I was already on the hand tool slide, so I was like, yeah, I'm not going to deal with this. But it just, it seemed like such a great idea. And mm-hmm. every time I stuck something that was, you know, 10, 12 inches wide, the, um, let's put it this way. That's when I started looking into making a, a frame saw and doing it by hand. <laughs> And and to this day, I contest that my frame saw, my three points per inch, big 48 inch frame saw cuts a 12 inch wide board faster than my old grizzly three quarter horse on a 12, on a <laughs> nice. 12 inch board. Nice. So, yeah. Uh, uh, and I would think my, my lack of usage for it, you know, admittedly is because I have another saw that's got the capacity built in, but I always kind of regret having that in the, the six inch insert in there, because it, like you said, Matt, it does, it feels like it changes something fundamentally in how well the saw works, how well the blade tracks. And I, I don't, I don't love it. And uh, yeah. so someday I may, I may take that thing out of there. Yeah. yeah I, I felt like I got a lot more vibration out of it. Like it was oh, so yeah. top heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, that wheel was not supposed to be that high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it yeah. just, and uh, it changed the whole feel of the saw. Well, when it came to the tension for myself, I mean, like I felt like if I had a three three eighths inch blade on there, I seriously felt like I needed to take it up to that half inch, you know, cranking on it there to try and get it to that point to even get the tension close to where it needed to be. And I just, yeah, I just got to that point. I'm like, I don't, I didn't feel comfortable with it, even though the capacity was awesome. I just, no, I didn't want it anymore. So I took it out of there, and I just learned to deal with it and come up with other ways to resaw wider things, which, yeah. You know, I just um, sent him to Shannon. He cuts them for me. Yeah, he's good at that. <laughs> uh, I've got a, a good one here. How about upgrading, like I just did recently, my jointer with a helical head? Oh, that's silly. <laughs> Rather than <laughs> That is silly. Rather than buy a brand new one, uh, that was, boy, I can't remember the exact pricing, but certainly a heck of a lot cheaper than and easier than going through the trouble of selling the old one and buying a new one with the helical head in it. Um, that felt to me like one of the best investments I've made in a long time in my tools. 
Well, and in you know, that situation, didn't the, the manufacturer really had things kind of set up to walk you through that rather easily? They didn't like just kind of go, here you go. Good luck with that. Let us know how it goes. I oh, mean, no, if I remember right, didn't they kind of like really kind of, for the lack of a better description, kind of hold your hand and walk you through it pretty easily? No, not at all. Uh, fine, no. fine Woodworking did. Oh, well. Nice. I think it was Roland, okay. Roland Johnson has a video out there upgrading a helical head, so I kind of used that as my guide and then wrote my own guide as I was doing my Powermatic. And uh, yeah, that there. I mean, they may have had some basic instructions, but it, it was perfectly sized and I knew it would fit, but the actual installation, there was no hand-holding at all for that. Oh, hmm. I must be thinking of somebody else that I like better. <laughs> yes, it must be that. Isn't that always <laughs> the know- case with me? <laughs> To me, the best upgrade I did for my lunchbox planer was buying a 20-inch helical head planer. <laughs> <laughs> That's one heck of that an accessory. That was the best aftermarket decision I ever made, yeah. <laughs> nice. You know, it is funny, though, and, and here's a question for the audience. I started thinking about this question, and I cannot think of an example in the hand tool world. I can. Just, there aren't yeah. really any aftermarkets, like a new knob, maybe a new blade, and... I know a lot of people who like they buy a vintage hand plane and the first thing they do is buy uh, like a hawk blade or whatever, even mm-hmm. though they've never even sharpened and tried the plane with the existing <laughs> blade in it. Yeah. So that, that might be a, one of those little premature aftermarket upgrades, but uh, I'd love to hear some aftermarket hand tool examples. How about the little the, uh, hot dog handle thing that comes with like, um, uh, what do you call it? A jack plane. I, I could see, I could understand that because I definitely got the um, the callus on my hand from using a jack plane without the little hot dog handle. But yeah. frankly, with the new shooting planes on the market, just buy one of those. I'd imagine some of this could have been, for hand tools, could all fall into the category of sharpening and maintenance. You know, like different accessories for the sharpening process. And right. I mean, there is the, there is the um, all-powerful Veritas chamfer guide, the little shoe that goes on the bottom of the block plane. Right. To allow you to make perfect chamfers. That's an aftermarket. (laughs) Oh, how about the uh, the magnetic saw guide for cutting dovetails? Yeah, not a fan. (laughs) They're out there, though. I mean, these accessories are there. Yeah, the accessories are there. And and there's some nice ones, too. But, yeah, it's just one of those things where, I mean, what do you do? You can't upgrade the horsepower of a hand tool, you know, (laughs) You make it more comfortable to hold, I guess. Well, yeah, I put a, a an elk head tool handle on my um, new concept fret saw. That was a huge deal. Added some weight to it, balanced it mm-hmm. a little better. That's true. That was a that was a good move. Well, maybe in the hand tool world, you just buy that upgrade. You know, I mean, how many yeah, how many different true. saws do you have? You know, you've got quite a collection. <laughs> cool. Ironically, you know, it's funny because I, I look at you go on Facebook or any social media site and no. look for like a hand tool type centric forum or group or whatever and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people out there with a lot of hand tools like five ten times more hand tools than i will ever have (laughs) it's crazy there's i think the there's something about hand tools and hoarding that goes together i think so uh you know there's one more i'll mention this is very festool specific but seneca woodworking has a lot of cool stuff and adapters for Festool gear um, and a lot of stuff for the Domino specifically that can make it way more versatile and answer the question of like, which one do I buy, the Domino XL or the Domino 500? And they give there there are accessories now that make that question a whole lot easier. So instead of buying two, you could buy one and then get a bunch of uh, you know cutters and adapters to get the full range of sizes that you might want to cut with. So um, that's a really good example if you're a Festool fan, look into Seneca's. Uh, aftermarket stuff. What about uh, just like those sanding pads? Remember we had a discussion a long time ago, and I think it's come up a couple of times, like the hardness of the uh, sanders. Yeah. Uh-huh. Those are, to me, I mean, like I've 
I've never had to. Uh, maybe I maybe I'm missing out. I haven't upgraded those yet, uh, but I definitely have heard people like, "How could you possibly do that type of finish with a hard pad?" And like, because uh, I just do. <laughs> I I pretty much use the hard pad for everything on mine, and I've got a soft pad that I just recently put on, just because I'm doing the sculpted rocker. So there's nothing I would want that hard pad on there for, you know. But ultimately, when we did that last time, I think we found out that it's actually very tricky. There aren't a lot of companies making softer pads. It was very limited. I think people were recommending ones here or there. But most companies, you know, you're stuck with what comes with the sander, which is a shame. I think those softer pads are actually very useful uh, for certain applications. Cool. All right. Well, that's uh, just a little accessory talk. Uh, No real specific goal there, but hopefully that uh, goes along with what Peter was asking us to do. I was worried it was about bracelets and necklaces and ties. I'm like, I don't know. I'm horrible at picking those. (laughs) I know nothing about that. You know, an an old splitter, when you put a a riving knife on your saw, a splitter could make a nice necklace, maybe. What's a a great accessory is a wood talk t-shirt. There you go. That makes Every tool perform better. <laughs> it sure does. Makes you look <laughs> makes you look very nice. It can um, make you perform better too. <laughs> you know what I mean. Whoa, hubba hubba. <laughs> All right, Matt, how about you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. All right. Hey folks, do you have a comment, question, or topic suggestion, or you just wanna have an accessory that makes you work all that much more awesome. There's several different ways to contact us. Leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is Woodtalk Online. Call our voicemail line at six two 623-242-5180. I don't know why I suddenly had another number just suddenly pop in there and it turned out it's the parenthesis. Uh, email us at kickback at woodtalkshow.com or leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you're going to find those over at woodtalkshow.com. Sweet. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. See ya. See ya.